Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Jeffrey Pfeffer, author of Dying for a Paycheck, How Modern Management Harms Employee Health and Company Performance and What We Can Do About It. Uh, Jeffrey, welcome. I know it's early where you are, right? It is very early, <laughs> but uh, it's okay. I'd do anything to be on your show. You're dying for a paid. I'm just kidding. That was just uh, inappropriate humor. Okay. Now, Jeffrey, where did you get the idea to write this book? Uh, I, I know that you're a teacher, uh, professor. How did you think, I've, I've got to write a book to make people understand that no matter what they do, they may be harmed by their employer? Well, I've sat on committees um, both for um, human capital uh, um, consulting companies and also at Stanford University, and there's all this enormous concern with health care costs. And so it fascinated me to see if what we're doing in the workplace is actually driving up health care costs, which it is, and it's also killing people. Actually, the workplace is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States, according to our estimates. So what drove me to do this is just listening to the conversation about how individuals Individuals need to eat healthier and exercise more and stop smoking and all this other stuff. But what people I don't think and companies don't realize is that a lot of these individual behaviors are driven by the stresses created in the workplace. So what they're looking for, whether they're smoking or drinking or taking drugs or whatever, they're looking for escape from the pressure of their employment. Is that fair to say? That's exactly correct. Uh, and the stress comes from many things, including economic insecurity, the layoffs, the, un, you know, the, the, the schedules that change all the time, work-family conflict, uh, bosses that micromanage, all of those kinds of things, which are quite stressful. All right. Let's talk about economic insecurity as a stressor for people. It seems obvious. And employers may say, Jeffrey, hey, you know, that's what it pays. This is as much as it is. It is. That's what the market bears. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, talk about uh, economic insecurity. Well, economic insecurity is not just low wages. It's the layoffs. And you see companies in every industry, some of them treat their employees as assets, and some of them treat them uh, pretty badly. So Southwest Airlines, for instance, even though it's in the very cyclical industry, the airline industry has never had a layoff or a furlough. Uh, Patagonia, which is in a very difficult industry, the retailing and clothing manufacturing, uh, takes very good care of its employees. It offers everybody health insurance on the first day of employment, including, by the way, part-timers. Barry Waymiller which is headquartered in St. Louis, which is a, in the very competitive manufacturing industry, tries to take care of its employees and, and send them home at the end of the workday feeling better than when they came in at the start of the workday. So in every industry, you find employers that do good things, and then you find employers that do bad things. So this idea that, uh, that you have to be a bad employer in order to survive, I think, is, is, is just wrong. And many employers have created a lose-lose situation in which what they're doing to their workforce is not helping them either. 
Okay. Can you tell me how some companies got into these practices? Because I always remember um, back in the day, Jeffrey, uh, when you started work, you got health insurance. It was considered to be a, a plum benefit, and it covered every. It, it even covered having a baby. I had a baby here a long time ago when I worked for this the uh, a radio company. They didn't give you a bill. And now it looks like health insurance is such a divisive thing with your employer, and it seems very capricious when they throw the rates out every year. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what I think has happened is that over time, and I mean, at one point, and you, I mean, you think, I think you talked about it very nicely, um, there was a sense of community. There was a sense of mutual obligation uh, that the employer felt obligated to you, and you in return felt obligated to that employer. But over time, employers have, for a variety of reasons, decided that, you know, workers are kind of on their own, and, you know, we've gone from careers to jobs to now gigs, and, uh, um, and what I think we have not quite recognized is that as this has happened, the costs are now being borne by larger by the larger society. So taxpayers are paying for this. If I don't have health insurance and I wind up in the emergency room, somebody's going to pay for my care. It's not going to be my employer. If I wind up, you know, stressed and not able to work anymore, I will be on the probably some public welfare system or some kind of uh, assistance uh, to, to to get me through. So so employers have just uh, pushed their costs off on the larger society, and we've let them do it. All right, let's talk about uh, shift work, which we see a lot in our area because we still have some places uh, that are warehouse-related. Uh, now, some people have gone to these uh, four 10-hour days for shift work, and there are other people who are still, believe it or not, in this modern environment working swing shift. Uh, talk about how those things may take a toll on an employee. Well, there's uh, been studies done on all of this and work hours and certainly irregular work hours, um, and, and including working off hours and, and, and nights and weekends, um, definitely have a, have a toll on people's health. Uh, the, uh, there have been summaries done uh, that have looked at the, the data on this, and, um, and, it, and, it's, uh, and it's unhealthy. And one of the reasons why it's unhealthy, in addition to the, to the shift work itself, is that it's hard to keep a good exercise and eating schedule and off Oftentimes, people who are working irregular shifts have trouble covering their family responsibilities, so you get the stress of dealing with, uh, with, those, with those responsibilities as well. Let's talk about a concept which came into play, I think, like boiling the frog very slowly. I remember when I was a kid, my parents came home at night. And they left the office at the office. In other words, there was no email. I, I remember the uh, when the pagers crept into society and then, of course, email and then, of course, other obligations as well. How has that, Jeffrey, impacted the employee? Well, so, again, uh, employers have a choice uh, in places like, uh, you know, Zillow, uh, which is uh, an Internet company. Um, you're supposed to leave your work at, at work, and, you're, and, and managers who bother their employees off hours uh, probably don't stay working at the company very long. But the idea that you are going to be always on um, it means that your work hours have actually increased, even though you may not be being paid for all those extra hours. And we know that long work hours hours drives up blood pressure and uh, and drives down psychological and other dimensions of physical health. 
So certainly this always-on idea is just nuts. I mean, you know, there are obviously people doing emergency work like police, fire, doctors who need to be on call. But for most people, you should leave your work at the office. And by the way, take vacation. One of the other things about America, which I'm sure you can remember, Sue, is that in the olden days, people used to get vacation and they used to take vacation. Now, about a quarter of the workforce gets no paid time off, and many people, even with vacation, don't use all of it. And now I've, I've noticed there is a concept that's kind of been ruled out in society for better or worse, worse that you just brought up called the PTO, paid time off. And it's kind of like all-encompassing. It doesn't separate vacation from sick days from personal days. It's just considered PTO. Yes, well, you're lucky if you get pay time off because a quarter of the U.S. Uh, workforce does not get any sick days or vacation days or anything else. We have left this all at the discretion of the employer, which means that if you're an employee, you need to pay a lot of attention about who you go to work for because they're good employers who will give you benefits and, and, and give you some control over your work and let you meet your family obligations, and then there are employers who don't. Now, are you noticing, Jeffrey, through your research that maybe some of this because of the way the economy is changing, hopefully for the better now. Uh, we have uh, a drop in unemployment. We have more people in the workforce. Are you noticing uh, that employers are going to have to embrace some of the ideas about how they treat employees in order to make their workplaces conducive and attractive to employees in the future? Um, I wish I could say I did, but I actually actually don't see much change for the better. Um, according to Gallup, a job uh, um, in, uh, employee engagement is low and and, and not really improving. Uh, the conference board finds that job satisfaction has gone down pretty much steadily over the last 25, 27 years. The Edelman Trust Index finds that most people don't, in fact, trust their leaders. Um, I, the Kaiser Family Foundation data shows that the employers uh, continue to not only uh, eliminate health insurance, but when they haven't eliminated employee health insurance, they've continued to transfer uh, a lot of the economic risk to employees by raising deductibles and co-pays. So even though, Sue, you made a very good point, which you would think that as the economy and the labor market gets tighter, employers would be, uh, you know, do do better by their employees. Uh, For the most part, they're not. And with computer monitoring, Fewer and fewer people have real control over their workforce, and they feel like they're being watched kind of by Big Brother all the time. So um, I I wish things were moving in the right direction, uh, but at the moment, I don't think they are. Have you done any research into companies that uh, gauge employee productivity and uh, literally are on them? for the whole 40 hours to be productive to the point where it's very, very difficult for some people even to go to the restroom? Um, that is... <laughs> That goes to this, uh, you know, the, the monitoring, yeah. which is which has gotten, I think, much uh, much much more severe. And uh, yes, uh, so people have less discretion um, than they used to have, in part because every keystroke, every telephone call, everything they're doing is being much more um, monitored and, and and controlled than it used to be. And ironically, this is even to some white collar work as well. And it's it's really it's really too bad. I mean, there's this wonderful article. In the, in the New York Times 
entitled The Lawyer, The Addict, in which a woman writes about her ex-husband who died um, from an infection caused by drug addiction. And as he was dying, he was on a conference call. Oh, and I think, that really, I think that really says it all about, about what, what has happened to the work in, the work in America. Now, oftentimes uh, in different uh, job f- sites, uh, Jeffrey, they do these things where they have surveys that gauge, I-, I guess, what would be called employee engagement. And have you noticed any efficacy with these things? Because I guess as an employee, you want to be truthful in these surveys, right? Um, but do, does the, rep- the employer even care about what you're writing? Have you seen where employee engagement surveys uh, Changed the course of how employers treat employees. Uh, not for the most part. I mean, co- companies do these surveys, um, but uh, but the surveys are basically administered by human resource departments, which for the most for the most part don't have as much power as they should and aren't really the voice of the employee. So yes, employers do these surveys, but what they do with them is often not much, and they don't even do the surveys every year. There's some employers do worry about employee engagement. Um, many just do the surveys and, and don't really do the hard work that would be required to change the work culture in ways that would make work, um, I think, much more engaging and also healthier. And, of course, here's the the payoff for all of us. Your recommendations for how you think the cultures can change based upon your research? Well, um, as I said, you know, I think there are employers who can do things to, you know, do social events and, and build more of a sense of community so people can socially support each other. There are employers who can build more autonomy into tasks for both white and blue-collar jobs, and we know that job control affects people's health, and we've known for a long time that with more autonomy on the job, do better work and, and, and are more engaged and are happier at their work. Employers can certainly uh, provide more of a sense of community and can feel a sense of responsibility to their employees, which I think the employees pick up on, and, and, and do things such as providing reasonable work hours and sanctioning leaders who call people at all hours of the day and night and say, send emails on the weekend and, and do all this other stuff. So I, I think it is up to the employer to create a work environment that is basically healthy and not toxic. I wonder what happens if people hear your voice and they ask their management to embrace your concepts. Do you think they run any risks themselves of being uh, labeled a troublemaker in the workforce? Well, they may, but the irony is is that um, for work hours, for work-family conflict, um, for, for, for autonomy and job control, and even for layoffs, the evidence suggests that employers are creating lose-lose situations in which not only are they making their employees sick, but they're not benefiting themselves. The relationship between work hours and per-hour productivity at both the national level and the industry level and the individual company level is pretty clear. The longer people work, actually their productivity goes down beyond a certain point because they're, you know, because they're exhausted. Um, layoffs don't actually provide much benefit to companies or any benefit to companies in terms of profits or, you know, stock price. Um, you know, when you, when you have people who are able to take care of their family responsibilities, they can concentrate on their job. And, they, and, and what's interesting is that virtually every person I interviewed for this book has left their employer. 
and turnover is expensive. So if you want to retain your workforce, you need to take care of them. So this book causes people to leave their employers. Oh, man. Because sometimes, Jeffrey, we hear this. You can't do better anywhere else. I I guess these people found out they could. Yep. That's so good. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. If did anybody leave this book on their boss's desk? Um, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. But but the interesting thing is, I think bosses need to understand that not only are they harming their employees, but they're actually harming their own bottom line. All right, Jeffrey Pfeffer, thank you so much for doing the show early, early, early out there in San Francisco. We appreciate it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.